Enough people say, yeah, you know they can't believe Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. Enough people say, yeah, you know they can't believe Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. We have the Wanderers and the One Junior, Yul Brenner and the Mansanka. The fastest of the fastest of Jamaica sprinters go to Olympics, fight for Jamaica. The fastest of the fastest of Jamaica sprinters, respect to the man, Irv Blitzer. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What is up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning into Sub Media Reviews. I'm Kiera, and I am stoked to review the 1993 film Cool Runnings. While the holiday season is over, winter is not, so I thought it'd be cool to review a winter-themed, non-holiday movie. The movie features John Candy as Irv, Leon as Darius Spanik, Doug E. Doug as Sanka, <laughs> Raul D. Lewis as Junior Bevel, and Malik Yoba as Yul Brynner. Now, prior to watching this film for this review, I've only ever seen the movie once like 15 years ago. So I'm excited to rewatch it with fresh eyes. If you're a new listener, don't forget to subscribe, follow, and allow notifications so you can stay in the loop. As always, here are some fun facts about the movie. At the time, Cool Runnings was the highest grossing live action film released under the Walt Disney Pictures banner. It's loosely based on the true story of Jamaica's first bobsled team who competed in the 1988 Winter Olympics. The second fun fact is that the Jamaican bobsledder characters in the movie were all fictional characterizations and were not based on the real life counterparts. John Candy's Irving, Irv Blitzer, coach character is also fictional. Contrary to the story in the movie, the Jamaican team was met with open arms by the international bobsledding teams. One of the other teams even went so far as to lend the Jamaican team a backup sled so they could qualify. So this story <laughs> makes it seem like the other teams weren't really welcoming, but that's the opposite of what happened in real life, which is so like refreshing for a change, okay? The third fun fact is that this was the final film that John Candy was in to be released before he died of a heart attack. Candy died five months later while filming Wagons East that came out in 1994, which was released posthumously. And the final fun fact is that Disney envisioned the original cast with Denzel Washington as Darius, Eddie Murphy as Sanka, Wesley Snipes as Yule, Marlon Wayans as Junior, and John Candy as Irvin Blitzer. Hip-hop legend Tupac Shakur even auditioned for a role in this movie. So Disney always wanted this to be a, a star-studded cast, but they were reaching for the stars, asking for Denzel, Eddie Murphy, Wesley Snipes, and Marlon Wayans. They really were reaching for the stars, but I think the right people ended up being in this movie and helped to really make it what it is today. So if you want to watch Cool Runnings, you can check it out on Disney Plus as of the recording of this episode. Now, this is the part where we talk about my personal connection to the movies and films that I review, and I have almost no personal connection to this film. Like I said earlier, I've only seen it once prior to rewatching it for this review, but what I will say is that it's a part of popular culture, and I feel a little bit shocked and delighted at how popular the movie is and that it's a fictional retelling of an actual story. And while the real story is quite different from the events in the movie, I love that a little piece of black history has gotten this much shine. I feel like there have been like a lot of popular references to this movie. So for me, I feel like this movie is super cool and I'm like really into it. I'm really excited to share my perspective on this movie. So let's chat. So the movie opens up with reggae-style music and a man named Darius Bannock, played by a young Leon, who is doing a practice relay with a bunch of kids in a scenic area of Jamaica. As the credits roll, Darius runs through the town and people recognize him and encourage him as they know he's headed to the Olympics. Next up, we see Sanka, who's played by Dougie Doug, and three small boys 
or with him preparing for a local event called a push car race. There are lots of small kind of Mario Kart looking vehicles that look like they are pretty handmade with some cardboard and other materials and they're decorated. So it's kind of like a local go-kart race. From the way that Sanka is interacting with the younger boys that are helping him, he comes across as being very self-involved, a little full of himself. And that's especially because he is a six-time champion of the push cart race. Darius comes up and greets Sanka and they appear to be best friends. And that is true. We learn later that they've been friends for a very long time. We also learn that Darius's father was a great runner as well. And Darius apparently is supposed to be even a little better than his father was. Now, Sanka also has like a lot of little rhyming sayings and he also has lucky eggs that he's really superstitious about and he likes to kiss them for good luck, I guess. He's a, a little bit weird, but his quirks are very interesting in this movie. The pushcart derby is actually really interesting. A child rides stomach down on top of the cart while an adult kind of kick pushes the cart to keep the momentum going. It almost is like a shopping cart situation. But the race starts and it's pretty silly. It seems kind of fun like this fun thing that you know you would do in your community and Sanka's car is called the Rasta Rocket. Now I'm having a hard time understanding why the small child is being endangered in, <laughs> in this activity. I don't understand what purpose the child serve because the adult is providing like the horsepower. They are also providing the steering and the kid on the cart was only yelling about what place they were in. So I don't know why they were endangering the life of this little kid for this race. They didn't seem to really serve any purpose. But anyways, as the roster rocket crosses the finish line, another competitor slides into them, forcing Sanka's car into a collision with like a little snack shack on the side of the road. Sanka and the little boy he's riding with is fine. And we don't come back to it, but it looks like Sanka won again. So I guess he's seven time champion now. Next up, we see Darius interacting with a lady named Joy. It could be a wife or a girlfriend. I don't think they ever really clarify that. But the Olympic trials are soon and Darius is so ready and also a little bit nervous. And from the sounds of it, Darius might actually be a school teacher as a full-time job. They don't go into it. And so now it's time for the Olympic tryouts. And the main event is the 100 meter final where the top four finishers will get the privilege of representing Jamaica at the Olympics in Seoul, Korea. And these were the 1988. Olympus? I think. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, the runners line up at the starting line. And we see this super kind of hyped up, but very staunch man named Yul Brenner, who is played by Malik Yoba. So he is one of the runners who is also competing to represent Jamaica in the Olympics. And so the runners begin the race and a man who was running between Yule and Darius trips while he's running and he causes both Yule and Darius to fall and lose the race. It's like this crazy kind of freak accident. And unfortunately, all three of them lose their opportunity to go to the Olympics and represent Jamaica in the sprint or 100 meter sprint. I don't know what it, they're running. It's a race, a foot race. <laughs> so they all lose their opportunity. And so Darius, who of course is basically like a legacy Olympian, I don't know if that's an actual thing, but his father was an Olympian as well. But Darius goes to the Jamaican Olympic Committee president, whose name is President Coolidge. I don't want you to get that confused with Calvin Coolidge. The President Coolidge in this movie is the president of the Jamaican Olympic Committee. And Darius goes to him asking him to redo the race, but they won't do it. Apparently, Jamaica only competes in running, boxing, and cycling events. And yeah, they just, we held these finals already. It's an unfortunate accident, but we got our winners and that's it. Basically is what the president tells him. So when he's in the office of the president, he sees a picture of his father who has a medal around his neck. I'm assuming it's a gold medal. I think, believe the picture was in black and white, so you couldn't really tell. But he's standing next to a white man named Irving Blitzer, who is an American living in Jamaica, who has a penchant for trouble because he's a bookie at a pool hall. Apparently, when Irving was younger, he tried to convince Darius's dad to switch sports from running over to bobsledding. He thought getting track sprinters to push the bobsled would give them an advantage. But Darius is kind of pleased with this news and borrows the picture of his father and Irving. And then he asks the president, like, hey, what is bobsledding? <laughs> like, he doesn't even know what it is. 
And so Darius goes to Sanka to talk and teach and learn more about bobsledding. So in their words, a bobsled is basically a push cart with no wheels. And the key to a good bobsled team is a steady driver and three strong runners to push off down the ice. And Sanka is like, oh, this is ice? This is like a winter sport? He doesn't want to have anything to do with the winter sport. And so Darius believed that Sanka's push cart skills are actually transferable to bobsledding. And Sanka is actually really kind of reluctant at first, but then he finally agrees to join up with Darius after he gets Darius to the gravel a little bit. So Sanka calls bobsledding bill sledding, which is hilarious. That was very funny to me. And Sanka is like clearly the comedic relief in this story. And while I was annoyed with him at first, I warmed up by this point. Something about his attitude felt warm and silly at the same time without feeling necessarily annoying. So I actually really like Sanka's character. Now in the next scene, Darius and Sanka head to the billiards heart where Irving, who is played by John Candy, does his bookie business. The two arrive right as Irving is destroying a radio with a pool stick after losing a lot of money on a horse race. So when they approach Irving about coaching the first ever Jamaican bobsled team, Irving picks up a pool stick and the two are scared off. They don't want to end up like that radio he destroyed. And so we get a scene where they keep asking him multiple times, like one time they're hiding in the bathroom, one time they're popping up in a window. They just keep asking him over and over. And Irving just keeps turning them away or threatening them. And finally, Irving's really fed up and actually has a little bit of a conversation with Darius, stating that a Jamaican bobsled team is not feasible because there's no snow in Jamaica. The Winter Olympics are in three months and Irving won't coach them. He has no desire to have any connection to bobsledding at all. And later on, we learn why. And then Darius shows Irving the picture of him and his father and boasts that he's even faster than his dad was. And so Blitzer finally agrees to coach this bobsledding team when Darius says that this is his one shot to prove his theory about taking a Jamaican sprinter and turning him into a bobsledder. And so Darius already is coming across as very persistent, very dedicated, and basically like the glue for the team. I find it interesting that making it to the Olympics overall is more important than doing it as a sprinter or what he knows best. Like he doesn't care that he's not running like his father was. He just wants to be an Olympian. And I think that's really interesting. Something about it feels a little desperate, but, <laughs> but overall he got what he wanted. So now they're going to start this journey together. Now, the next step for this bobsled team is to hold tryouts that include an educational video showing exactly what bobsledding is. So they gather about 40 people, all men in a room. They turn out the lights in this room and they use a projector to teach everyone there what bobsledding is, right? And so while the video is going, Irving is kind of narrating the video, talking about what we're seeing at this moment. The video is actually showing multiple bobsledding crashes. They look very brutal. And Irving's voiceover about <laughs> the video makes it sound even worse. In the final frame of the video, there's a headline that reads, crash kills bobsledder. So when the lights get turned back on, Irving turns to see that the room is basically empty. The video scared everyone off and I low-key don't don't blame them. Bobsledding looks fun, but those crashes looked awful. They look super brutal. So yeah, it just, yeah, seems really dangerous. So the only person remaining in the room is a very kind of like juiced up Yule Brenner, again, played by Malik Yoba, who doesn't have any friendly or positive energy about him. He comes off as hostile and unagreeable. He says, we may be on the same team, but I am no one's teammate. And that really sums up the kind of energy that he's bringing to the team. He wants to leave Jamaica and this is his ticket to get out of there. So, you know, he's doing what he has to do. And also, if you remember, he was the other runner whose hopes were dashed when the young man tripped at the tryouts. So this is his opportunity to go to the Olympics as well. And right then, another man enters the room, hoping to join the tryouts. And this is the same man who actually fell and destroyed Yule and Darius's chances of going to the Olympics in the first place. His name is Junior Bevel. And Yule is very pissed off and starts chasing after him and like wants to fight him for, you know, messing up his chances for going to the Olympics. But the other guys hold Yule back. And interestingly enough, Sanka is able to disarm Yule with some humor. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. But since no one else 
else is available, it looks like Junior has to be the fourth teammate and Yul reluctantly decides to join the team. Again, Yul's motivations are to get out of Jamaica and there's no better way to do that than to do a winter sport, I guess. <laughs> so in the next scene, it's the first practice and the athletes learn their positions on the team. Yul will be the second middleman, which means he will be in the third seat. Junior is the first middleman, which means he will be in the second seat. And Sanka is the brakeman, which means he will be sitting in the back of the bobsled. And Darius is the driver. He'll be sitting in the first seat. And so Sanka kind of protests about being the brake man because the whole reason Darius invited him on the team was because Darius was going to be a driver based on Sanka's pushcart driving skills. But then Irving says that only Darius has what it takes when it comes to dedication and responsibility to be the driver. Like the driver is literally the driving force behind the team. And when everybody else is going out and partying, he needs to be studying the turns. He needs to be practicing before everybody else wakes up. And Darius really is the person that has to have that type of dedication. And so Sanka agrees. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to do all that. Go ahead and <laughs> take that position, Darius. So they also have this little rusty metal makeshift bobsled with wheels to work with. It looks like a death trap, but it's a training tool that they will use because they don't have any of the real kind of equipment necessary to do any real bobsledding. So they work with what they got. Next up, we see Junior, who comes from a rich family, telling his dad about joining the bobsled team. But when his dad arrives, who again is a very rich man in Jamaica, we can tell that he isn't very supportive of Junior's athletic career. And he's already gotten his son a job in Miami that he's supposed to start at the end of the month without consulting his son first. So he's one of those dads that's very... The word helicopter comes to mind, but that it doesn't feel quite right. Just one of those guys that has the vision of like, this is what my child needs and I don't care what they want. I'm going to do what I think is best for them. Helicopter parent feels a little bit different, but anyways, Junior is, I don't know how old he is at this point, but he's kind of under the thumb of his dad. His dad has the money. His dad has the success and worked his way up from nothing. He doesn't feel empowered to stand up for himself and really go for what he wants. And even though Junior is a rich kid and we associate like getting what you want from being a rich kid, he never really gets what he actually wants, like what's in his heart. So that's going to be like a big struggle for Junior throughout the movie. So in this next scene, it's time for practice again, and we're doing the pushing. Apparently, like the bobsled has to be pushed, right, to get the right amount of momentum, and a respectable push-off time is 5.7 seconds. And so we see the training montage that we're looking for in every early 90s movies, okay? <laughs> the guys have a hard time getting the hang of it, and to be honest, it doesn't sound or look easy. They have to push a 600-pound sled, then they each have to hop in it while it's moving, and I'm like WTF who invented this like who invented this crazy sport it seems very difficult yeah it seems very difficult it's very dangerous it's crazy who invented this sport the practice scenes are pretty fun in this montage and even though they are improving slowly they're still making some kind of major mistakes and they're getting into crashes and we also see that they're training for cold weather endurance and Sanka is inside of a ice cream truck freezing his dreads off which was actually pretty funny in this training montage a little bit towards the end they finally get a respectable time but then they have to dodge a lady that's on their kind of makeshift bobsled track and they have to go off course where they end up hitting a police vehicle. And when the police ask like, hey, what's going on? Like you're damaging our vehicle. The guys get laughed at when they say that they are the first Jamaican bobsled team. But Irving comes down to meet them and says that they pushed off in 5.9 seconds, which is actually a good time. And Irving is excited that they are learning and growing and that they've gotten to this point. So he has some hope for them, even though he was very reluctant to coach them in the first place. So right then, uh, Mr. Coolidge, who again is the Olympic Committee president for Jamaica, has a conversation with Irving because Irving needs $20,000 to get the team to the Olympics. But Coolidge is like, um, nah, like, first off, this seems like a joke. Are you going to make Jamaica out to be a joke the same way you embarrassed your own country? And we don't know the context of this. We know that he's kind of, you know, doesn't want to be associated with bobsledding anymore, former Olympian. 
and that there's some type of negative history there, but we learn more about the details of that. But Coolidge has an interesting point. Are you going out here to parade the Jamaicans out here and make us look like a fool? And so Coolidge refuses to give him the money because I don't think he thinks that the Jamaican team has what it takes to do something that's so far from any activities that they've ever participated in before that they don't even have the climate for this type of activity. So Coolidge, I think, had really good points about why he wouldn't give them the money. So at this point, they have to get creative about raising the funds to get to Canada for the Winter Olympics. So we see Sanka singing a song and basically busking in like what appears to be kind of like a city square to raise money to send the crew to the Olympics. And it is not going well. He <laughs> he comes up with the song, Jamaica, we have a bobsled team, but people hate it. You know, he, they're not really donating based on his performance. Darius decides to go to a lot of businessmen and women to sponsor the team, and they all basically laugh him out of the door. Yule, in his own way, charges a dollar for arm wrestles, but he ends up getting beat by a large woman. And then Sanka and Darius set up a kissing booth, but no one wants to kiss Sanka, so the line for Darius is super long until Joy, his girlfriend or wife, not really sure, comes and takes him away. So when Sanka steps up to finally get a kiss from somebody, an old lady with no teeth is standing in line, which is pretty funny. So they sit down, they tally up the donations together, and between Yule, Darius, and Sanka, they've raised less than $200. That's awful. That's <laughs> so awful. Not to mention that Jamaica is a pretty poverty-stricken country. But interestingly enough, Junior comes in with, I'm assuming it's $20,000, which are the proceeds from him selling his car without his father's knowledge. Apparently, his dad thinks that he's going off to Miami to start that new job when he'll actually be in Canada competing in the Olympics. So... Junior is still afraid of his father, but he did what he had to do and he made a major sacrifice to get the team to Canada. So now they are headed to Calgary. Now at the airport, you know, they finally make it to Canada and the guys are scared to go into the blistering cold. And Sangha in this silly scene puts on all the clothes that he packed all together. And Darius thinks Sangha is smoking when he could see Sangha's breath. Now, I feel like people in any climate know about seeing your breath in a cold environment. You don't have to live in a place that snows to be able to see your breath. I was like, they don't have to treat these Jamaicans like they ain't never been cold in the history of ever. Like, I mean, come on. But <laughs> anyways, as they drive away in the shuttle, we learned that again, they are in Calgary and the temperature is negative 25. And if we assume that that's Celsius, that's negative 13 Fahrenheit. So freezing cold, y'all. So they, of course, go to a store and buy some winter appropriate clothing and they get ready to register for the Olympics. And when Irving goes to register the team for tryouts, there is some disbelief about there being a Jamaican bobsled team, obviously. But we learned that in order to qualify for the Olympics, they have to complete a course safely in one minute and two seconds. And we find out from Irving that they actually shaved off some time because previously to qualify, it was just a minute and five seconds. So Irv ends up running into three old colleagues from the USA team. And only one of them, Roger, is even really nice to him. One of them completely disregards him. We later find out his name is Kurt, while the other one, who I think his name is Larry, basically says that Irv let himself go, <laughs> which is an awful thing to say to somebody. But Irv asked Roger to to meet him in a restaurant in 30 minutes. And Roger kind of hesitantly shows up and he's like, hey, what do you want, okay? And Irving basically says, I need to buy a competitive sled for $4,800. And it sounds impossible, but Irv kind of cashes in a favor with Roger. And Roger is like, I may be able to get you an old practice sled. And so Roger asks like, hey, is this whole situation a joke? Is having a Jamaican bobsled team here a joke like is this for show is this for shits and gigs like what is going on and Irv is really serious he actually really believes in the guys which is fantastic okay you know it was his idea to use very fast runners to give bobsledders an advantage and so he believes in his own idea but after training with the guys he believes in them as well so it's really nice to see that they actually have a coach who really believes in them and is not there to make them look bad 
But then Roger asked like a really good question, like, sure, they can run, right? Like they're really great sprinters, but can they run on ice? And I was like, that's the golden question, Roger. That's a fantastic question, okay? And so next up, we see that the guys are at a skating rink trying to learn how to run on ice. They're wearing special shoes that I think bobsledders wear, and they're doing really bad. They're slipping and sliding everywhere, and the hockey team comes in on the rink, and they have to leave, and them getting out of there is way harder than they think it's going to be. And so I'm just curious why Irv never thought to have them run on ice as practice until they actually get to Canada. That doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. Okay. He could have simulated them running on ice in Jamaica somehow, some way, but whatever. Later on that night, Darius watches a more skilled team, the Swiss team, do a run, like a practice run on the little track that they have to use. And he looks inspired by them. He's really like in awe of them. But Irv takes the guys to a storage unit where he shows them their rundown sled. It has no paint. So it's really like metallic. It has some damages and some pieces falling apart, but Darius loves it. He's like, this is perfect. It looks almost like the one that they practice with in Jamaica, which really is not saying much. But when they pull up to the trials or to the practice part, because apparently they were there a few days before to like get some practice in, maybe learn more about the track before the actual trials. And so when they pull up to like the practice session, everyone is silent. And what's interesting to me is thinking about why is everyone silent in this moment, right? Is it racial because they are not used to seeing black people doing bobsled? Is it because their bobsled is hideous and old and crappy? Is it because that a Jamaican bobsled team is unheard of? Is it because of Irv's reputation? I mean, this is one of the things that is kind of left to be desired in this movie. They really didn't explore more why this team was kind of outcast. It's one of those things where it's like, Maybe we should be expected to infer, but there's too many reasons for us to be able to infer. I wish they explored that a little bit more. But at the practice runs or whatever, the team is being taunted by an experienced driver for a different bobsled team. This guy... His name is Yosef, and he's apparently like a world-class driver for his bobsled team, but they never, to my knowledge, identify what country he's representing. Based on his accent, it's like a European country that might be... Germany? I have no idea. I don't even freaking know. But anyways, this guy is really mean and his name is Yosef Gruel. And Irv is encouraging the team despite, you know, the Jamaican bobsled team recognizing that the other teams don't really seem to care for them and they are not wheeling out the welcome wagon for them. And so Sanka needs help getting his helmet on because of his dreads, which is hilarious. And so, <laughs> so Irv like punches down on his helmet. It's very funny to me. And Sanka is also instructed to hold it when he says he has to go to the bathroom. But interestingly enough, during this little practice session, they don't push off themselves. They all kind of hop in and Irv pushes them. So again, I think this was supposed to be one of those things where they just go down and try to get a feel for the track so that they can best be prepared for the actual trials. So Sanka is panicking the whole time they're going down the run, the track. I'm not sure what the thing is called. And he's panicking because he has to pee. And then suddenly the bobsled breaks down or crashes on the track. We actually can't see what happened to them because the view is obstructed in the place where the bobsled actually stopped. And then Sanka wet himself. So there's this thing that Sanka and Jorais do whenever they get into like a situation where they could be knocked out or something happened, something crazy happened. Usually Dorais will say, Sanka, you dead? And Sanka will be like, yeah. <laughs> it's a cute little thing, you know, part of their friendship. So back at the hotel, Sanka is cooking bananas on a hot plate and gets into a disagreement with Yule. And so Sanka calls Yule stupid and Yule believes that some folks in Jamaica, including Sanka, are just content to live and die there while he's headed on to bigger and better things once they win the Olympics. He holds up a picture of where he wants to move after he gets his success, not realizing that it's a Buckingham Palace and he basically has no chance of living there. And so Junior kind of pipes up as he's hearing this, you know, disagreement between Sanka and Yule. And he says, Yule, you can be whatever you want to be if you work hard. And he says that when people like Yule make it, the world is a better place and like Jamaica rejoices, some along those lines. It was a really cute scene. And it's the first time that we see this kind of cold, hard exterior of Yule's melt 
felt a little bit. And it was nice to see Junior kind of pipe up on someone else's behalf, even though Sanka was just kind of giving you all the business <laughs> regarding him being an idiot. <laughs> So it's the next day and they have to actually do like they're actually practicing and they have to push to start for real. And Sokka needs help with his helmet again. It's very funny to me seeing John Candy push down on the helmet with the clothes fist. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. But when they get the sled going, because they are on ice, they're having a hard time actually hopping into the sled and end up chasing it. And one of Earth's old colleagues, Kurt, the one who didn't acknowledge him at all when he saw him earlier, instructs a photographer to capture a picture of the team failing and chasing behind this bobsled. And so that picture is in the newspaper the next day under the headline, Jamaicans Chase Sled. Now I paused the movie to take notes while the was like on the newspaper and I was trying to read the article that was next to the photo and it was utter nonsense. It didn't make no sense at all. The punctuation was all off. None of the sentences were like cohesive. It was very interesting how back in the day, people who would put images or text into like a newspaper or something for a movie usually didn't pay attention to those things because it wasn't always just so easy to kind of pause and read something like that. And so they didn't do much detail in those things. And so now that we have more of an ability to pause and focus on things and read things and rewind in a way that's more accurate as well, I feel like the quality of those types of things, like those newspapers or letters that, you know, we're able to read, the quality of those have increased because of our ability to like check behind those things. It's just a, a funny little thing that I noticed before. But anyways, President Coolidge of the, you know, Olympic Committee in Jamaica, ends up reading the article and kind of hanging his head in shame while Junior's dad reads it and is pissed off that his son fooled him and didn't actually take that job in Miami. So I guess he knows that his son is in Canada and he's very unhappy about it. So while Darice is doing some maintenance on the sled, he gets approached by a different colleague of Irv's, Larry, the one that insulted Irving who said that Irving is the reason that they aren't off to a good start. Apparently back in the Olympics in 1972, Irving was busted for putting weights in the front of the sled to make it go faster. Now, according to my research on this movie, it's actually legal to add weights to a sled if the team can't make the minimum weight, but that's in real life. In this movie, that is an illegal thing to do in the Olympics and it is considered cheating. And as a result, Irv actually got his medals, his gold medals taken away from him. So this is really a fact that Irving kind of hid from the guys. But for whatever reason, just really was not a deal breaker for Darice, which is very interesting. And now that I think about it, I don't even think Darice told the other guys on the team what actually happened. I don't think there was any indication that Darice actually shared the news with his teammates. Huh, maybe I'll dive into that later. I'm just kind of realizing that now as I'm talking through it. But later that night, Junior receives a telegram from his dad saying that he has to come home right away. And this was the point where I was like, how old is Junior? Okay. He's an adult, obviously, who's kind of under the thumb of his dad. And he has to figure out how to grow a pair and like live in his integrity. And to me, that means being able to say what you want, being able to act upon what you want and not caring who disapproves. And so Junior just hasn't gotten to that point in his life. But in the next scene, everyone on the team except Rice goes to a bar where they're doing line dancing, which it feels like a honky tonk throwdown. It's country music. People are, are line dancing. People are dressed in what I would consider like country Western wear. And I was like, what is the culture around that in Canada? What are the odds that they would have this type of bar and this type of like line dancing honky tonk <laughs> culture in Canada. I think this is really funny and interesting, but Yule and Junior are having a conversation at the bar and Yule is trying to encourage Junior to take his father off the pedestal and to center his own wants and needs. But just then, Joseph or Joseph, is it Joseph or Joseph? One of them. The mean guy who was on the other bobsled team that was taunting them earlier he comes over and tells them they're basically cosplaying as a bobsled team that they should go back to Jamaica. And Junior kind of slinks away from the conversation, but Yosef backs off when Yule gets in his face because Yule is a big, scary black man and he's bald and he has really aggressive energy. So Yosef don't want no smoke. But then after that happens, Yule gets mad and kind of hems Junior up and like drags him into a bathroom in front of a mirror where he kind of aggressively affirms Junior and tells him how strong he is. Like you're proud and 
and you're strong and you don't take nothing from nobody. He says it in a different way. <laughs> but Junior kind of has to be pushed to see the positive qualities in himself. And eventually he kind of gets up some courage and he gets so inspired in this moment that he goes to Yosef and confronts him and almost gets beat up until Yule comes in to rescue him by punching Yosef in the face. And so this starts a bar fight that's actually pretty funny. And even Sanka joins in by like jumping over a table or something. It was a little funny. But later, when they are back at the hotel, Darius admonishes them for their behavior. And Yule actually calls Junior his teammate. So in spite of his kind of their brutish behavior and them starting a bar fight, this actually was a bonding experience for everyone on the team except for Darius. And so we have Yule who started off saying, we may be on the same team, but I'm no one's teammate. Now openly and willingly saying that Junior, the person who stopped him from going to the Olympics in the first place, is his teammate and he actually fought somebody for junior so this bond is great this bond is growing between the team there's better cohesion and i love to see it but earth comes in saying that the bar owner won't press charges because he said that they were mentally disturbed <laughs> and earth tells them you all we're the most hated team over here on this bobsled you know situation and y'all need to do some introspection if you want to win so the next morning, the guys wake up early to do some training. And so we get another early 90s training montage and the guys are working out early. They're pushing the sled on the ice. They're running drills. Sanka is, of course, the least athletic and routinely falls behind, but eventually kind of gets his second win. They all are like in a bathtub, like trying to work more and make sure they understand which way to lean for their turns. They're really working hard. And so we finally get to the point where they really have to qualify. Like they're actually at the qualifying rounds because previously they had been practicing and getting used to the track and that type of stuff. But um, this is a time where they actually have to qualify to be in the official Olympics. So Irv gets them real bobsledding uniforms. I think they're called uniforms. I have no idea what they are. They are these kind of, I would describe them a little bit like leotards or bodysuits. Maybe like a scuba suit is more accurate, just like with a different material. But he gets them ones that have the same colors as a Jamaican flag. They're actually really like professional looking. So this helps them to kind of feel more like a unified team. And so Irv meets with the judges and finds out that the colleague that wouldn't talk to him at all, again, his name is Kurt, we'll learn more about him later, is actually a judge now. And so the new qualifying time is a minute flat, not a minute and two seconds like he was told just a few days prior. So what it sounds like is that the people who are making the rules keep moving the goalposts to make it even harder for Irv and his team to qualify. We'll get into that later as well. So the team gets ready. They do the trial. Their push-off time was 6.13, which is actually a little too long, but they head down the track. They make it to the end and they qualify with a time of 59.46 seconds. And everybody is excited because they're officially in the Olympics now. How fun is that? So it's the next day. They paint and spruce up the sled. They're all drinking little, you know, glass bottles of Coke and doing toast. And they decided to name the sled Cool Runnings, which is apparently a Jamaican saying that means peace be the journey. And right as they are celebrating, they receive a letter stating that they have been disqualified. So next we see her burst into the International Winter Alliance meeting to get answers from the people who keep changing rules and disqualifying them and modifying things to make it harder for this team to you know, make it. So apparently there's a rule that a team that enters this, you know, bobsledding portion of the Olympics has to compete in an international race to qualify. Now, according to Herb, the actual qualifying race that they just did the previous day should satisfy that requirement. But the mean colleague, Kurt, who was a judge in the qualifiers, tells Herb that they decided to change that policy this year. They also mention embarrassment being part of the reason why they changed the rule. And Irv, for the first time in the movie, actually brings up race. And he's saying, oh, I didn't realize four black men in a bobsled would be so embarrassing for you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let's do more of this, okay? I understand that this is supposed to be a feel-good movie and it's not supposed to have such a dampering kind of mood, but can we talk about race a little bit? 
more? Like, we all know it's a reason why people discriminate. Okay. So when Irving actually starts making his plea for them to reverse this, like, disqualifying decision that they made, we find out that Kurt was actually Irv's coach back when he cheated and in 1972. And this explains the animosity because it was a poor reflection on Kurt as well as the coach, of course, and that he will take the punishment. Irv is like, punish me. Okay. Like, I know I did wrong. I could take responsibility for it, but this team should not suffer because y'all are mad at me because the whole purpose of the Olympics is to bring like people from all across the world to compete in the same sport. Like that's the whole point. Like don't lose sight of that. So he's like, they've earned the right to compete for Jamaica. So back in the hotel, they get a call from the Alliance saying that they are back in. So in Jamaica, you know, everyone's rejoicing because the Jamaicans are bobsledding. They are doing winter sports. How cool is that? Sanka's mom has a bar that is showing the Olympics like on the TV in her bar. So people are kind of gathering there. It's a gathering space for them to observe <laughs> the winter Olympics, which I don't even know people in Jamaica or if people were ever particularly invested in the winter Olympics in Jamaica. I'm sure people watched it, but this time they have like a vested interest in seeing their own country compete. So how cool is it? So the guys are honored to actually be and compete in the Olympics. And Irv, instead of an inspirational speech, says a weird prayer before they start the first run of the race. Apparently it's like a multi-day event. And so before they do their first day, he says this weird prayer that goes, Our Father, which are in Calgary, bobsled be thy name, thy kingdom come, gold medals won on earth as it is in turn seven, with liberty and justice for Jamaica and Haley Celesi. <laughs> it was pretty silly. Usually don't try to alter the Lord's prayer too often, but it was pretty funny and the guys thought it was funny too. So they get a little chuckle out of it. But just then, Junior's dad shows up at their hotel room and his dad basically orders him to come home. His father is just very dismissive and tells him to pack up as if him going to the Olympics is not like a big freaking deal. I mean, come on. But Junior, when he's alone with his father, repeats his affirmations that he got from Yule. And he asks his father, when you look at me, tell me what you see. And his father says, I see a lost little boy who still needs me to like help guide and push him in the right direction. And so Junior says, I'm a man. I'm an Olympian and I'm not going anywhere. Goodbye, dad, basically. And so he found his voice, which is really nice. And so Yule actually witnesses this and he's behind him to affirm him again after he tells his dad off. And so it's nice to see that Yule is being supportive of Junior, who is probably a little bit younger than him as well. So it's nice to see that Junior grew up here and is really doing what he wants to do with his life. And so now it's time for the real competition to start, okay? And so the folks in Jamaica are all gathered at, you know, Sanka's mom's bar. They're excited, right? And so the other teams go, you know, they go down the track and stuff and they get their times or whatever and Jamaica goes last. Again, this is their first day and they're up and ready to go. But then now at this point, I'm suddenly realizing how inspired by the Swiss team derises. Earlier in the movie, I said that he looked at them and how he was in awe, but he started to take on like a lot of things that they do. So like when they would practice and they would count down to do the push off, he would count in the language that the Swiss team was using. And he also was trying to like imitate their hype up ritual that they do right before they go down the track, which is like smacking the guys on their helmets. And it's hilarious because the other guys don't get it. They're like, hey, like we don't understand this. We're not Swiss. But they end up doing their run and one of them takes a little too long to sit down in the sled, which reduces their time. And also they're kind of like pinballing around on the track. Their heads are really wobbly. They are not in sync. They're banging around a little bit. It's not as smooth as it's supposed to be. So when they finish, they have a time of 58.04, which puts them in last place despite it being a better time than they got in the trials. So the peeps in Jamaica are a little bit sad because they're in last place. And Herb basically yells at them for choking. And he's like, y'all have to be loose on the track and I can't help you with that. Y'all need to figure it out. So when the 
team is alone and kind of beating themselves up, the rest of the team gets mad at Darius for bringing up the Swiss again. And Sokka is like, look, the only thing we can do is be Jamaican, okay? I'm Jamaican AF and I can't be like the Swiss. That's impossible, okay? We can't do this like anybody else. We have to do this as ourselves. And so Darius is kind of just blinded so much by wanting to win that he insults Sokka and his pushcart derby skills. And Sokka says, I've known you. He's talking to Darius. He says, I've known you since some girl named Julie asked to see your dingling, which is hilarious. First off, who says dingling? <laughs> I remember like getting in trouble for saying that in elementary school. Do kids say dingling anymore? That's so funny. I'm sorry. It's hilarious to me. But Sankas basically says, in order for us to be loose, in order for us to do this in a way that feels authentic and real. And for us to do it the most effective way for us, we just got to be ourselves. And so that's what they decide to do. They pull up to the next day where they are singing their Jamaica has a bobsled team <laughs> song and they're getting ready to do their second run. And so instead of counting in the same language as the Swiss, they use one of Sanka's rhymes. Again, he rhymed a lot in this movie. And so they, he says, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, it's bobsled time. And so already when they push off, they are doing way better than the run from the previous day. And even the announcers at the Olympics seem astonished by the improvement. And the time that they get once they cross the finish line is 56.53 seconds, meaning that they are now in eighth place and no longer in last place. So people are starting to be believers. So in the next scene, Darius is in a room by himself and Irv comes in to ask like, hey, do you need something for dinner? Do you want to come to dinner with us? Darius, of course, because he is the person who is the in the driving position, has to spend more time studying the course and can't really hang out with the rest of the team. So as Irv is about to leave, Darius asks him why he cheated. And what Irv says is that he did it because he wanted to win. And Irv says that he made winning his whole life. And it was basically kind of like an addiction. And Irv says, you know, a gold medal is cool, but if you're not enough without it, you won't be enough with it. And so Darius starts to kind of ask, what does it mean to be enough? Like, when will I know if I'm enough? And so what Irv tells him is, you'll know you're enough when you cross the finish line. You'll know it for sure. And so this is kind of like a real life lesson about about self-worth and not making winning your whole life. It's about knowing that you're worthy whether you win or lose and that you just got to push forward. So I thought that was a, a good and interesting lesson to have in this movie. So this is basically the climax of the film, y'all. It's now the last day of the competition and everybody is excited. Even the announcers were wearing Jamaican bobsled team merch, okay? And so Yule even kisses Sokka's lucky egg, which is really weird. <laughs> now it's time for them to take their turn. We start to see that some part of the sled is malfunctioning while they are actually on the track like a piece comes loose and the sled actually ends up turning over on its side and they crash. And based on just what it looked like, they literally could have broken their necks on that track because the track is so tight that their heads were kind of banging up against the side of it. That looks super dangerous. Yeah, super dangerous. It was pretty awful, but they are all alive but they did not make it quite to the finish line. So as a team of medics comes over to check on them, the team ends up getting up, they're all fine, and they end up carrying their sled across the finish line, which garners a kind of slow clap from the onlookers. And even Kurt's old hating behind claps for them. This moment really is about like integrity and pride. And even though they didn't win, they had heart. And it's like they won the hearts of all of the people who were there because they had, you know, good dedication and really learned their craft and did pretty well despite this being their first time and it being just this kind of unprecedented thing for a place with a tropical climate to have a bobsled team. <laughs> just, it's just crazy. So yeah, and this moment is what makes Darius know that he is enough. And even Junior's dad is in the crowd wearing the merch which is neat. So Joseph, the douchey bobsledder, even tells Darius that he'll see them in four years and that they did a good job. So they really kind of earned the respect of everybody there, which was nice. And Yule and Junior have like a little bit of a moment of, you know, them embracing or being proud of each other. And so do Irv and Darius. And so they all take a picture together that the president Coolidge of the Olympic Committee in Jamaica puts in his office. And so at the end, we get like a little update, a written update that says that the team goes back to Jamaica where they are 
were hailed as heroes. And four years later, they returned to the Olympics without all the hate and discrimination. So y'all, that's the end of the movie. So at the end of every review, we ask if the film or show is worth a rewatch and if it holds up today. For me, the answer is yes and yes. Like surprisingly, I found this movie to be really entertaining. I laughed, I felt moved by like the problems and opposition that they face, and I love a good redemption story, okay? Not to mention this is an imaginative retelling of a true story that I would classify as black history. That's right up my alley. That I really like John Candy, like I adore him. And I found that this performance was not only good, but that it was a little bit of a departure from his more like silly comedic roles. Like previously I have reviewed Home Alone and I have also reviewed Uncle Buck that he was in. Something about this character just felt different, a little bit more serious, even though he did have a few kind of funny moments. He gets to show like a different part of his range, which I thought was really neat. I do love a feel-good story, and overall, I just really enjoyed watching this film. There are some good lessons about self-worth, making your own decisions, being yourself, fighting for what you believe in, learning how to communicate with others. It just had like a really good, feel-good kind of aspect to it that like you just can't be mad while you're watching Cool Runnings. Just something about it just feels so lighthearted. And while I would definitely re-watch this movie, I think there are a couple of areas where the movie falls a little bit short. I I don't think there was enough emphasis on the racial or discriminatory element. And while I know that kind of stuff is a real damper in a film, it could have been more prominent since they took the route of the team being rejected and unwelcome, which actually is not how they were actually received in real life when it came to like the story that this was based off of. And the other thing is the fact that all of the bobsled team members are Black Americans and not Jamaican, to my knowledge. Their accents probably aren't a good representation of Jamaican accents. And I believe that Hollywood needs to be better at finding people who are linked to the backgrounds of the characters in these movies. It's a great way to find and highlight new actors. And movie execs need to step their game up on the diversity tip, y'all. They just need to do it, okay? But these two complaints, though, are relatively small. And given that Cool Runnings came out in 1993 and on Disney, I can't really blame them, okay? So I'm into this movie and I liked it way more than I thought I would. Now over at Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it 76% and the audience gave it 81%. Now while I would rate it a little bit higher, closer to like 83, 84%, I'm not really mad at these ratings. I get it. <laughs> so thanks so much for tuning into Submedia Reviews where I reviewed Cool Runnings. Did you watch this movie recently? Does it hold up for you? Please share your thoughts with us on social media on facebook instagram and youtube we want to hear from you join us next time when i review the 1997 to 2001 hit cartoon series recess you don't want to miss it peace out Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Peace out.